Log Talk Radio. 50 million voices mumbling from the streets, talking about the haters and who they will mistreat. Now folks are talking heartache, checking out the jobs. Despite the hate and lying leaders, we are still alive. I, 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 stand tall, stand tall, let me talk, let me talk, let me talk, oh, whoa, whoa, I, 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 stand tall, stand tall, let me talk, 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 one warrior of compassion reflections, available every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Not warrior reflection where we reflect reality back to you. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our show today. Always happy to be with you at Warrior of Compassion's Reflections. This is a time where we will go over the next Warrior of Compassion study. This is study number nine. If you have not listened to our previous shows, you might want to go back to the Warrior of Compassion study number one and work your way through each one. The idea is to listen to and study each one for a few hours, whatever amount of time it takes and then to do the exercises at the end of each chapter, doing one per month along with the exercises, brings one to a state of strength and power and returns one to being one's beautiful, divine, and powerful self in this world where we learn to be so helpless. You can learn to master your own life. These are the teachings that used to be the Warrior of Compassion Guild. It's not a physical group anymore. We don't meet anywhere. We don't organize anyone. We don't have an agenda. The Warrior of Compassion Guild is a mindset. It consists of each and every one of us claiming our power to enhance and create the spaces we live in so that we can create the world that we would like to see instead of the one that we have been cast into and given. We can bring about peace, love, and justice by standing in the office of the true warrior, the office that was there before the idea was perverted. The warrior is one who fights the most important battle, the battle against the false self with all of his fear and anger and narrowness and hatred. And the second fight is to keep maladaptive, thoughts and ideas and behaviors out of one's family, community, and nation so that we can gather, we together as human beings can achieve the highest state of awareness and being that the human being possibly can. We can kick ourselves to the next level when it comes to being whole and connected in each and everything in the universe. Warrior of Passion. To find out more about what we're doing, come visit us at 
www.nextupcoaching.com That is www.nextupcoaching.com And so we begin with the reading of study number nine. In the future, we will be offering life coaching sessions via Skype and phone in order to help you, if you would like, begin to master your life and move toward the creation of the world that our children need to have that our ancestors died trying to create and that we have the power to see right now through the creation of our own hands. All the seeds that were planted, study nine, the introduction. This was written long ago, so we will be talking about years gone by. The winter of 2000 was a long, cold winter with a lot of snow and freezing rain. At night, sometimes there were even fogs. The temperature at times in the northeast were near zero degrees, and then the next day it would swing upwards into the 40s or 50s unexpectedly. I thought the spring had arrived many times only to find that as soon as I even thought of putting away my heavy coat, there would be a big snowstorm. The weather has been unpredictable for several years. Even with its unpredictability, we still know deep within the recesses of our hearts that spring is coming to go, is going to come again. comes again because it always comes. And after spring, there's also always a glorious summer. During the summer, all of the seeds that were planted during the spring and all of the small green sprouts begin to mature. They ripen and bring forth fruit from after their own kind. The way that the four seasons work are quite miraculous. They provide us with the stages of change that are necessary for the transition from one form or way of being to another. The earth experiences the transitions, and so does every living being, including human beings. Human history can be seen as four seasons. There are those who could probably divide it into five or six or a thousand, but in this case, I would like to look at human history as four seasons. In the beginning on this planet was probably most like spring. Remember the mild winds, and then we have the wild March winds that used to whip up and usher in the spring. Long ago, the earth was new. Everything was being organized and settling in, so to speak. New life and new organisms were jockeying for position, 
experiments were going on all over the planet. There were several formations and reformations of all the chemicals and elements on the earth. Various forms of life were being produced. Those who could survive prospered. Others who could not survive passed out of existence and only into the memory of the gene pool and in the place of grade B movies. Some organizations did survive, of course. These were known as organisms. The ones who survived began to flourish. They began to prosper and to multiply. The earth was a paradise and food was abundant then. At this time, it was summer on earth. Everything was flourishing and prospering, but then something began to happen. The very abundance of food and the skill of the organisms to take advantage of the abundance changed everything. Their ease brought about their destruction. This is always a danger. Most of the organisms had discovered a way to use sun for energy and nutrition. They were partially photosynthetic. Others had learned how to digest the sulfur and mineral compounds that arose from the earth near fissures, located in the deepest parts of the oceans where volcanic activities took place. This went on for quite some time, but then came disaster. We began to move out of the summer and into autumn. Many of the cells were anaerobic. There was not that much oxygen in the air when they were thriving. Their production of oxygen as a waste product of photosynthesis made the level of oxygen in the atmosphere rise. When the level of this planet rose to just about 21%, almost all of the life on the planet died. These cells changed the face of the whole planet because of their air pollution which in this case was oxygen. Some organisms began to respire then for the first time and take in oxygen. They were the ones who survived during this time. There also developed predator organisms and the process of birth. This was the beginning of the winter that we as a species and as a planet still find ourselves in. The predators were the ones who lived by consuming and by killing others. The shift from photosynthetic organisms to respiring organisms could be compared to the Babylonian myth of the farmer and the herdsman. The organisms that lived off of photosynthesis can be compared to the farmers in Babylon and in the Babylonian myth. The farmers were chosen by the mother goddess and preferred by her instead of the herdsmen. The herdsmen, therefore, were forced to live on the edge of the desert and were only allowed into the settlement during the seasons when there was no planting. Eventually, after several generations, when the relationship between the herdsmen and the farmers were all but forgotten, the herdsmen were no longer allowed in the city. The desert became a place of evil and demons, and the herdsmen were associated with them. Because of the scarcity and hard living in the desert, they eventually attacked the city, killed the farmers, and possessed the land for themselves. 
From that time on, the way of gaining abundance became killing and taking what one needed. The city and the farms became a breeding ground and a resource center for predators who were sent out to gather more and more resources from those who they could overwhelm. The predators won out. With this came the beginning of a winter that we are still taking part of. We have progressed as human beings. We have invented all kinds of technology, art, and medicine. Every so often, people have declared the dawn of the coming of a new humanity, a new age. We continually proclaim that we are new civilizations. One president spoke of being a kinder and gentler America and that the global village, he said, would be like a thousand points of light before he bombed most of Iraq back into the age of stone and iron. We are talking spring, but we are still living in winter. We live in a world where most of the population is starving, a great deal anyway. We have children who are starving in the inner cities with infant mortality rates higher than those in Bangladesh in the United States. Billions of people are searching for food in garbage dumps in the overexploited nations of the world. In some countries, the poor children are actually selling their organs for food, while in other places, poor street children are hunted down and their organs harvested for the rich and successful. We are still in winter. The predators still prevail. Spring is coming. Our hope is still here. The light is right there, just beyond the next little hill and within the bosoms of our own selves. The light shines within the heart of any human being who will permit it to do so. This is something that I can feel deep in my heart It is written on the means of the universe. Spring is coming because all of the new thoughts, ideas, and wonders that will usher in this spring, they are gushing up like a fountain that's spreading throughout the land on the winds of a thousand seas. Ideas of love, of truth, of diversity, and of mutual understanding are spreading. Ideas of the appreciation of the self as one is set out as unachieved or spreading. The knowledge and truth that allow us to reclaim the beauty of the self and to reclaim the stolen stories of humanity are spreading. The desire for diversity, multiculturalism, and pluralism are spreading throughout the land no matter how people try to stop. Indigenous ways of thinking and being that go beyond dualism and circular thinking, which include dualism, are spreading across the land. The system is trying to co-opt these ideas. It's trying to use them in a new consumer-driven market in order to get us to buy things. Old paradigms that say that you are nothing unless you have this position, drive this type of car, own this type of house, have this type of degree, or disguise as wisdom. The more the wise and the loving, the carriers of light become the more those who love darkness try to hold on to the world and to fill it up with more hatred, anger, fear, and anger. And even still, we're coming to the end of the tunnel, and they can do nothing to stop us. 
the walls of this tunnel through which we travel are ignorant right now, but they need not be. Life on this earth is like being in a tunnel. We're surrounded by darkness on all sides. Instead of finding joy by exploring that darkness, we are taught to fear the darkness, to look down, to keep moving forward. We are driven to move forward towards some type of success that will spiral us further into delusionment. Because as we keep our eyes to the ground, we never notice that we are being moved in and led in circles. What we consider moving forward only serves one purpose. It helps to provide an overabundance of cash and resources to those who already have more than they can ever use. We move forward in the circle so fast sometimes that we don't have time to look to the side. Not stop and explore the darkness that is all around us. It is only in the darkness that we will find ourselves. It is only in the darkness that we will find the heart of the human being. The darkness that we have learned to fear is a place of creativity. It is the place where the seed begins to grow. It is the place of warmth and nurturance. After a seed has abided in the darkness for a long period of time, after a while it explodes into the light of life and awareness. Instead of being driven forward in circles blindly, pulling some type of wagon or plow like a pack horse, life should be about moving forward into the light, moving slowly, taking the time to go off of the beaten path ever so often take in the time to remember and return again as new creations full of wisdom gathered in the deep recesses of our hearts and minds. The wisdom that is gathered in the paradox. In places where our thoughts and the ideas about the way we think things are and the way they really are don't match with what sets us free. The paradox. The teacher is able to divide the paradox and put it together again so that the student can understand the true nature of the universe. People of fear have been in charge for quite some time all over the world and especially in the United States. They have hit this fear well. They have, however, been afraid of everything and have covered that fear with anger and the need to control everything, every plant, every person, every animal is feared until it can be brought under control. It is easy to learn to live a life of fear that is disguised as one of bravery. At one time, I looked back at my own life several years ago. I noticed that most of my life had not been spent working toward doing what I really wanted. My life had consisted of avoiding everything that was too fearful and difficult. I worked hard at choosing an acceptable path and even an acceptable persona. I wanted to be cool because I was afraid of being me. I was afraid that people would like me if they saw the real me. If they saw an artificial person, an artificial me, and didn't accept that person, that would be all right. I did not want them to not accept 
the real me. I didn't know what I would do if that happened. I think that this behavior and the inheritance of that fear was something that I learned from the system and that I am not very unique in this instance. What I also learned is that the easy path really does lead to destruction. It may not lead to eternal destruction. I'm not sure if it does or not. But it does lead to destruction of the heart and the soul in this world. It leads to dissatisfaction and a boring, boring life. We, as a nation, have spent most of our time building fences. All of the isms in this land are nothing more than fences that keep us separate from those who we are not familiar with. All the border patrols, all the missiles and bombers, all of it is, is to protect ourselves from some type of perceived enemy out there. We in the United States, I might even say that we as human beings, however, have really never been moved to deal with the real enemy. The real enemy is not out there. It is within. The enemy is the fear. It is the guilt. It is the shame. It is the anger. It is the feeling of inadequacy that has been woven into the very fabric of our beings by those who are supposed to protect us and teach us how to be healthy, free individuals. A warrior of compassion faces the fear and the pain. She or he conquers the enemy within daily. As the desire to do this moves to the forefront, and as we dedicate ourselves to building the self and strengthening our character as individuals as well as communities, as we develop the desire to learn about what is in our hearts and who is really out there, spring will come. You have begun that process. You have begun the inner work of discernment and cleansing. Those who are afraid still holler. They shake with fury. They form political alliances and bribe politicians. But they cannot stop what is coming. What is coming is freedom for all of us. For this nation, under God, will rise with a new birth of freedom and this government of the people, by the people, and for the people will become a reality that will not perish from the earth. We stand in a place of opportunity, even as I speak. When those who have held on to the reins of humanity become frightened, they begin to break their own rules and codes of conduct in an attempt to hold on to the power that they have acquired through trickery and deceit. This is like the predators beginning to chew, eat, and feed on themselves. When the strength of their bitter cold begins to fade, spring will rise again and the earth will arise anew. The ones who would like for us to stay in the tunnel and to work and toil for them would like for us to believe that the light out there, the uncertain brilliance out there, is the headlight of a train. But the light, my friend, the light is the light of wisdom. The light is the light of truth. The light is the light of freedom. It is the light of love for ourselves and for all people. Be a warrior of compassion. 
teach the truth that we spoke of in the previous lessons in love, knowing that your life, a life of integrity, is the truth in reality. You have entered into the light of awakening. Now it is time to travel into it more fully. By your example in word and deed, you have the opportunity to plant the seed that will usher in a new world. It will bring us back into balance and bring about peace through each and all all of us, one person at a time and one community at a time. Let us enter into the light of awakening together. For in the light, we will find joy unspeakable and a place that is ruled by mutual understanding the center of that understanding being unconditional love. would like to learn more about us, visit our website at www.nextstepcoaching.forthenumberteetheletter.com. That is www.nextstepcoaching.4t.com, where you can learn about some of the things that we are doing in order to make the world a better place. This station and all the work that goes on behind it is being paid for out of our pocket. So if you would like to help us continue to do this service and also help to make the world a better place, please partake of some of the services that we have at John Gilmore's Healing Hands. One of the main ones is a 90-minute massage for only $60.00 that you can sign up for just by going to the scheduler and hitting the 90-minute massage. Or you can buy any of the books that you see featured there in order to help create a better world for you, for our children, and for our children's children. Thank you for being with us once again at Practical Spirituality. We are always happy to have you here. February 15th of next year, we're going to go in another direction at John Gilmore's Next Step Coaching and Body Work. We're going to move away from doing body work and focus more on our life coaching sessions. Some of them will have body work involved, the deluxe face-to-face ones. The others will be done over Skype or by phone, but you will get the same quality of conversation and very good results from doing it that way. 
So we hope you will abide with us and consider life coaching with all of us. And if you have a group on that has expired, we suggest that you use the value of that group on in order to get a discount on our introductory life coaching sessions. Thank you for patronizing us. Thank you for being with us at this radio show. And thank you for helping us to make this enlightening radio show possible for each and every one who has the opportunity to hear it. And now, back to the show. And now we move to the next section of the training today, FYC, for your consideration. As you journey through the river, the current sometimes becomes strong. Wind blows hard. You cannot see beyond the forest near the bank on the other side what lurks in the forest. What will you find? Will you find a new life or wild beast that will bring about the destruction of yourself and your whole way of life? These are questions that we as warriors and teachers pursue. We are always aware of our thoughts and feelings. We always want to understand what is affecting our actions and our reactions. Consider fear and what part it has had in your life. Learn to control your fear, great teacher. It is only by mastering your fear that you can begin to teach others to do so. Though we enter into transcending the fear and finding gratitude. It's easy to be afraid in a world that is often ruled through violence and coercion instead of cooperation and caring. It's easy to be afraid in a world where one's strength is measured by one, how much one is willing to take instead of how much one is willing to give. It is easy to be afraid when one doesn't know where he or she is going or how he or she can live a life of love in a world such as ours. When one has been taught that he or she is alone and that competition weeds out those who are undeserving, it is easy to feel alone and be afraid. All these things, all of these early experiences teach us from the beginning that we are totally alone and that we can only depend on ourselves. To a certain extent, we can depend on our families, but ultimately, we are alone and no one really understands us. This, of course, is only a half-truth. I think that many of the truths that we learn today in an overly consumer-driven society are only half-truths. In the anti-racism curriculum called Healing Racism, they spoke of this as poison and cookies. They were talking about the socialization of racism at the time, but I also think that it can be applied to much of our socialization. One is given half-truths. They are often words of wisdom or sometimes beautiful and enticing. I would call it the baited hook. As soon as we bite down, the line is snap tight. Yes, we are alone. We are individuals in this world. We are all unique like pieces of a puzzle in the universe. 
each of us has a specific shape and color, a specific part to play in the making of our community. Every time one of us is not being his or her individual self, is like a piece being missing from the community and from the universe. We add to the whole as we develop ourselves as unique and separate beings. It is true that we are alone. This is the hook. The pulling of the line is the implication that no one cares because of that. The pulling of the line says that we have to get all that we can now because of that. It says that if we fall, we will never be able to get up because no one cares. That is the poison. Someone does care. We are alone, but we are also in community. If we have developed caring and loving relationships, there will always be at least someone who cares. The more relationships that we develop that are authentic and caring, the more people there will be who really do care. The idea that we are alone is true, but the implication that that must always be is a poisonous lie. It is the lie that provides the fear that is necessary to make us fight each other to climb to the top of a hierarchical pyramid called civilization. It provides the fear that is necessary to make our feelings of isolation and every little failure become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Functional fear actually is good. Fear has always been there to heighten our awareness It has been there to pull our awareness back to our internal condition so that we could monitor where we were and what was going on on the outside. At the same time, it brought our awareness to our external situation. It told us to proceed with caution, to take notice of our surrounding. It even gives us the energy to do so. Functional fear can lead us into new paths of discovery. Functional fear helps us to draw permeable barriers. It helps us to realize that new projects, new groups, new people must be approached with a sense of reverence until we become familiar with them. Dysfunctional fear builds walls. Dysfunctional fear locks us into ourselves and paralyzes our thought processes. It makes us feel helpless and makes us build little castles around ourselves that of liberating us to take chances in a more intelligent way. It also makes us give our power to someone else, to a savior or a system that will take care of us and free us from the rages of an unpredictable future. Navigating this unpredictable future, however, is what life is. When we think of fear in our society, we often think of the dysfunctional fear. Dysfunctional fear is often fostered in a democracy. It is necessary for the majority of the people to give away their power, so that those who are in charge will remain that way because it cannot be taken openly. It is profitable to have people afraid of the future in a consumer-driven market. If we can be convinced that we are always alone and can never trust each other, we will be alone we will always be looking up the pyramid for salvation. Another type of fear is fear of the ultimate, fear of the universe. 
We are often told that the universe or nature is unfriendly. We cannot predict what will happen. We are humans. We cannot take power over every little thing and conquer every little thing. It will sweep us away into oblivion. It will become chaos. We are told that chaos or unpredictability is not acceptable. Chaos is dark and dangerous. Monsters are always lurking in the dark, waiting to reach out and grab us. This, of course, intimates that the only way of ridding our world and our universal chaos is by controlling it. All of our energy and time must go to learning how to control it or to those who can teach us how to. All of our resources must go to those who are strong enough and wise enough to control it. We signed ourselves back at the pyramid again. Once again, we are giving our time and energy away. Once again, we are giving away our power and creativity, the power that we as a community and society have through the democratic process to make the world a fair and equitable place. We're giving it away to those at the top of the pyramid so that they will keep us safe from the chaos of the universe. In actuality, however, there were many civilizations that had no such concept of reality. Many indigenous peoples used their time and talent to learn how to live in harmony with the universe. They knew the times and the seasons for doing things. They learned by watching nature. They learned from the animals, and they used the trees and plants for medicine and also looked at them as examples for a fair and just society. They took that organization as an organic structure where everyone performed a different function but we're all equal. They saw the universe as a place that was always teeming with life. They looked at the universe as a circle where life and death, joy and sorrow were all part of the universe, growing and recreating itself daily. They sought not to control the universe, but to live in harmony with the universe. They did not fear chaos. So they did not give their power as individuals participating in a community that was creating a world system to others. They lived as co-creators with the divine, and everyone had their part in creating a system based on the unchanging law of love. The last way I think fear is used in this society is by projecting negative images of the future, how much money do we spend on insurance, car insurance, insurance, theft insurance, property insurance. Now there's even credit card insurance. We're constantly being told to be scared and to give someone money not to be scared. One example of this is the cholesterol scare. We're often told that three or four types of accidents and diseases are the number one cause of death in this country. How can they all be? A certain number out of five people in this group will have heart attacks. I started to only hang around with group three. That way, four of us couldn't have heart attacks. Some of this information is helpful. Some of it is factual, but some is the hook. Some of it is saying you are not safe. 
how can you be safe? Paying me the money that it takes to have these extra exams every year, pass that money up the hierarchy, you will be safe. We will relieve you of the fear that we are producing. We fear so much because we are told to fear all of the time. We are taught to fear each other. We are taught to fear chaos or the workings of the universe. We're taught to fear the future. And the fear is, no wonder we're often afraid. No wonder we can often be led to do hateful things to assuage this fear. The fear of not being beautiful enough, thin enough, muscular enough, tough enough, smart enough. It's bumped into us every day as we watch TV and listen to the radio, open a magazine, or look at billboards. And it is all so that some people can make more money and feel good about themselves. It's time, however, to dump the God of fear. It's time to develop a society where we can have faith in other people. It's time to break down the walls within ourselves so that we can reach out to others in real loving relationships. I don't only mean reaching out to those who are like us. I mean reaching out to those who look different and think differently. I'm talking about approaching those who are not like us and using our functional fear to remind us to walk lightly at the ground on which we are treading, the ground of that person's cultural heritage and unique view of the world is holy ground. We can then break down the walls and build the connections necessary to cast out that fear. A biblical quote says, fear is of the enemy. Love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Dysfunctional fear today is of the enemy. Fear is used in order to push political gains forward in this country. It is the enemy. But perfect love casts out all fear. The love in a community where all of us are known and accepted casts out all fear by assuring us that someone will be there to help when we stumble. Someone will be there to give us advice on how to navigate the future. Someone will be there to walk with us on this journey. Perfect love, the love of community, casts out all fears. It allows us to be thankful for what we have here and now. It allows us to live in the moment. It allows us to live in the here and now and to enjoy things like the changeability of nature and the unpredictability and uniqueness of other people. It allows us to enjoy the fact that the future is not stagnant, but is always open for new adventure. As we live in the now, as we experience the now, and reach out and touch the world, we realize that most of our fear is very theoretical. Most of our fears do not exist now. They are projections into the future. The important thing about life is living in the now. It is loving, it is touching, and it is taking the world into our hearts and experiencing it. It is experiencing the joy, sorrows, the pain, and the pleasures, because once we leave this world, we will probably never experience it again as the individuals that we are now. 
the perfect love that casts out all fear is the love of life and of all things. As the commodore was saying, I don't need a doctor to find some peace of mind. I'm free and I'm easy because I'm high on sunshine. It lights my way. High on sunshine takes all my blues away. We have to be high on sunshine. We have to be high on life. We have to learn to whirl, to troll, to dance, and enjoy life moment by moment by moment, casting off the fear of this old world and creating a community where love is not only a word, but an action. section TME standing for this month's exercises. Do the same 20 minute meditation that you did last month except change the question that you asked this time. This time lie on your back with your right hand on your chest, right on your heart. Bend the other arm and rest your elbow on the floor so that the arm will fall if you begin to drift off to sleep. Focus your eyes on some spot on the ceiling and then relax your focus. For about five minutes, just lie there and relax. Breathe in deeply, filling the upper body to capacity slowly, and then exhale slowly. Inhale, filling the area of your stomach below your navel with air and then the area from the navel to the lower chest with air, and then the chest, the throat, the mask behind the face with air. Exhale, beginning with the upper section, then the middle, then the area below the navel. Continue to do this purposely until you relax and the body begins to do it naturally. For this is the natural way that we breathe especially when we are lying flat on our backs. As you really begin to relax, speak to your subconscious mind. Address your subconscious mind purposefully, expecting to hear and respond. Say something like this. Use your own words. Slowly show me the unresolved fears in my life. Sit there. Let your mind drift. Let an image appear. Allow yourself to see, feel, or hear the situation that took place in your lifetime when you were very, very fearful. Allow yourself to experience it again as though you are standing in front of a movie screen and just watching it happen. This is an experience that you have never resolved. 
tall of the energy that it takes to hold that anger down deeply in the subconscious. It's psychic energy that could be used to help you lead a better, more purposeful life. Look at the image. Accept it. Acknowledge it to yourself. I am willing to let go. And then let the image fade away, realizing that it has no substance. It is not real. It is merely a memory of a thing that happened long ago. Let your breath carry out the anger as you exhale. Let your breath carry in light as you inhale. Visualize a small ball of white light appearing at the center of the image. That is appearing at the center of the image. And with your breath, as you add white light, see the ball expanding until there is nothing but the bright, clear light. Continue the above procedure for a full 20 minutes, allowing many images to arise one by one. Write them down if you like, so you can remember them and look for patterns. If there is still residual fear left over, use those images during your Tonglin session. Tonglin can also be used during emotionally charged moments or to remove unforgiveness. Do this 20 minutes and do this 20 minute exercise every other day at least. Do it 21 times. Continue with the other meditation on days when you're not doing this healing meditation. The more you do, the better. Continue with Tai Chi Chi Gong and some form of aerobic exercise. Set your own schedule and be consistent. Constancy is more important than vigor. The battle goes not to the strong or to the swift, but the one who endures to the end. Through the healing and strengthening of ourselves and the sharing of the sacred jewel at the center of our hearts, we recreate our immediate environment and ultimately the world. Continue to move forward in strength and courage, warrior and teacher, never forgetting along the path to celebrate and to drink in the joy of the universe and the joy of family and close friends. Joy is all that keeps us alive. Joy is the essence of what many of us call God. So there you have it. There you have the end of study number nine. If you have been following these studies and if you have been doing these exercises, you will find that your life has changed greatly and you have reclaimed the power. to chart your own future, to beat back fear and anger, to destroy depression, to break the human form that we have been given so that you may return back to your divine self. The following is 
a poem from the book Love Poems to the Beloved and You by Om Prakash Gilmore. The title is The Tangled Scheme. In this large galaxy full of whirling dust and eternal fires moving ever so slowly around a core of light and a darkness threatening to destroy every planet and physical expression of the natural universe. We stand and watch the tangled scheme of fate unwind the hatred and fear of the unjust until all that remains is you and I immersed in the deafening silence of the universal song. A song so sweet, so natural, so harmonious and complete that it can never be heard by those who only have external ears but only by those who have the ability to listen to your song, to our song, an eternal, flowing, never-ending story that can only be voiced by the magic that exists in each and every heart. For more information, please visit us at our website at www.nextstepcoaching.forthenumber, tthenumber.com, that is www.nextstepcoaching.4t.com, where you can learn about some of the body work we are offering and also some of our life coaching. Namaste. Fifty million voices mumbling from the streets Talking about the haters and who they will retreat Now folks are talking hard, hey, checking out their jobs Despite the hate and lying leaders, we are still I, 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 can't talk, can't talk Let me talk, let me talk, let me talk, oh, whoa, whoa I, 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 can't talk, can't talk let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. One warrior of compassion reflection. Available every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. <laughs>